Yes. 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 I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't think it was on the thing, but yes. So this Wednesday night will be the dress rehearsal for, so uh, all of you who would like to see it a little ahead of time, you're more than welcome to come. Uh, but we will not have, we announced a regular service this morning, but rather than the regular service on Wednesday night, it'll be the dress rehearsal uh, for the uh, for the cantata, and then the cantata will be Friday night at 7, and then, uh, of course, Sunday morning at 11. There will be Sunday school uh, as uh, normal. We're going to have Sunday school all the way through. So uh, every, every, every time we have service, uh, there will be Sunday school on Sunday. We just have done away with two of the evening services and uh, two of the Sunday evening services, but the uh, and one of the and one of the Wednesday evening services, but the Sunday morning we'll still have Sunday school, uh, even for the cantata next week. So we'll do that. All right. Let's remember Sandra Wolf, co-worker's mother, diagnosed with uh, uh, brain cancer, given only two months to live, and this is from Brian Hawk. So let's remember Sandra Wolf and her family uh, in prayer. We want to remember the Beamers. Larry has some kind of a problem with his lungs and the doctor is trying to figure it out. So let's remember the Beamer family and lift Larry especially up in prayer. And then um, I think this is, um, is this, uh, is this the Earl Van family? Is that what this is? Some, so this is from Joy Hilton, the Earl Van family. Uh, wife and three children, Earl Van, uh, uh, struggled with drugs for 15 years, and uh, last week he uh, he overdosed himself. So he, uh, we want to remember the Earl Van family, the Earl Van family. So let's remember to lift them up in prayer. All right, I'm going to make the announcements tonight, but the announcements are pretty much. Uh, what uh, what we said this morning plus whatever else is in the bulletin but I did want to make mention of a couple of things uh, uh, that we might not uh, remember first of all we do really want to uh, try to uh, get as many Christmas cards in uh, especially between now and next Sunday evening as possible so please get your uh, Christmas cards in and let's do that and then next Sunday evening will be our Christmas tree service so you know what that's like if you don't ask me and I'll try to explain it to you uh, but if you have uh, children young people friends neighbors that are here in the house of the Lord and attend church with us and you'd like to give them a gift you can put it under the Christmas tree uh, and then we'll call their name out and give it to them on that Sunday night uh, next Sunday night so we want to remember that uh, and then we want to uh, remember that the uh, let's see December Thursday December the 14th at 6:30 is another chance to be involved in the Cornhole League uh, and then the young adults Bible study and Christmas party is Saturday December the 16th in the fellowship hall at 7 o'clock that was the one I didn't want to overlook uh, and then we mentioned the cantata uh, and all of those good things. So uh, we're looking forward to a great week. Amen. And uh, looking forward to the Lord blessing in some very, very special ways. Um, and uh, so right now, we're going to uh, ask our ushers to come forward, and we're going to give you an opportunity to give tonight. Uh, our regular Sunday evening tithes and offerings you give as the Lord directs. I know he'll bless you for it. Amen. And Brother Harry's going to be preaching for us here in just a few minutes. We're going to let the choir sing a few, and then he's going to he's going to preach, and uh, we're going to have a blessed time together in the house of the Lord. All right. I'm going to ask Jason if he would ask God's blessing on the offering. this church and bless this offering in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. It's 142. 142. Everybody stand. Hark the herald angels sing. See 
All right, choir, come on up on this last verse. Come, desire of nations, come. Stay. 
everybody as they come down, tell them it's good to see them tonight. great to see everybody tonight and we are really looking forward to brother harry preaching for us and so i want you to pray for him lift him up don't don't let don't let our men of god stand up here and preach by themselves pray that the lord and the holy spirit uh the the sweet guidance of his blessing the breath of the lord himself would be upon them as they come and preach brother harry you come and bring the message tonight Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, please. They sung that song under grace, <laughs> and uh, my emotions go crazy. I love that song. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and uh, I want to bring you a, a, a message. Jesus, the everlasting Father. Jesus, the everlasting Father. That's one of the names in this Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Shall we stand, please, in honor of the reading of the word? And I'm going to ask Brother Darrell if you kindly would lead us in prayer. You may be seated. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, I read this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, and here it is, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The title of my message tonight is found in that text of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the everlasting Father. That is Christ, the everlasting Father. Uh, we know that the prophet is speaking of no one else prophetically than Jesus Christ. No one else, no one else could have been given or bear these names but the Son of God. And now, we might see in our casual reading of that verse 6, uh, five names. But in reality, there are seven names. Uh, add to that five, the prophet does, as he in verse 6 does. He calls him a child and a son. So we have seven names for our Savior. Seven 
of his in one verse. Seven is the scripture, in scripture is the number of perfection, perfection. And so therefore we have unto us a perfect child. A perfect child is born. Uh, unto us a perfect son is given. But with, if we go with just the five names exclusively as are given, and the biblical number is number five, uh, is the number of grace. Grace, God's grace. Ad eternity. Jesus Christ is the king of eternity, the father of eternity. Before huh, time began, Jesus Christ was there, for he is the eternal son of God. And our text that we started with, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, speaks of the eternal sonship of Christ. Uh, there are those who believe that the sonship of Christ now uh, began at Bethlehem. But I say this, how could it? For he is the father of eternity. He is the author of eternity. Folks, he existed before time began. Now turn, if you would, please, to Isaiah chapter 63. 63, you should have your ribbon in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And Isaiah chapter 63, if you would, please.
Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 16. I read this. Doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our father, our redeemer. Thy name is from where? Everlasting. Notice the last portion of that verse, of this verse. Thou, O, our, o, thou, o Lord, art our father, our redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. So when the choir sings about Jesus Christ being our redeemer and redemption is from him, we are very, very quick, correct, very quick, correct. He's the father of eternity. He's the author of eternity. And this verse of Isaiah 63, verse 16, is prophetic, folks, for it discloses the relationship of God to those who have been changed by faith in the Redeemer. Are you saved and sure? Would you raise your hand, please? Let me see those names, those hands, okay. If not, why not? See me after, and I'll be very happy to lead you to Christ. You would make my day. <laughs> uh, now let's go back to our text of Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. Maybe you have your ribbon in there, and let's take it a bit further, a bit further. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we notice that our Lord is called the everlasting Father, or the Father of eternity. The word Father there, as in most cases in the Bible, may be rendered source. Now, with that in mind, let's now read it that way. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, huh? the source of eternity. Eternity stems or originates from Christ. And it tells us that he is infinite. Then I move on to the second subpoint, number two, and that is Christ is infinite. Infinite. We have finite minds. Uh, and our existence here on earth is finite. It comes to an end. Uh, my mom lived till one month prior to 100. And then she finally passed away. But she, was, she finally passed away. I tell you, people that, I tell you this. This is a quote I've had for a long time. Life is short. Death is sure. Sin the curse. Christ the cure. He's the cure. Now please turn in. He's the father and the source of eternity. Now please turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. Psalms, Proverbs. And in Proverbs 8 and the verse 22, we have something we want to notice. In Proverbs 8, we find a revelation of wisdom, which we find is personified in Christ. And in that verse, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22, we read this. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. That verse, the verse not only personifies wisdom, but it also, folks, uh, uh, it also uh, says of his eternality and relationship with Jehovah. Now look at verse 23, the next verse. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, wherever the earth was. I think this verse further describes wisdom or Christ specifically as it is. In the Hebrew form, in the Hebrew form, it is emphatic here. And it reads, folks, this way. From everlasting was I set up. And it underlines, it underlines wisdom's eternality that is always, always existing. Don't you just love these verses and these truths that exalt the Lord Jesus and lift him up and place him in his rightful place? I do. Well, number one, Christ is identified 
Number two, Christ is infinite. And the third point, Christ is immortal, immortal. Now, if he is the father of eternity, folks, in our text of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, then Christ is immortal. There is an old hymn that I love, besides under grace, and it goes like this. Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light inaccessible, hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, there's his name, almighty victorious, my great name, we praise. We praise it. Then another hymn. Another hymn is called, uh, Brother Darrell, Immortal Love, Forever Full, by John Greenleaf Whittier. And it goes like this. Immortal love, forever full, forever flowing free, forever shared, forever whole, a never-ebbing sea. Christ is immortal, immortal. Now turn, if you will, please, to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews, in your New Testament, Hebrews chapter 7. Aren't you glad you brought your Bible this morning, or this evening? Hebrews chapter 7, and verses 1 through 3, I'm going to read. Christology, I have a little note on the side in my notes. Christology is not a pre-Bethlehem appearance. I don't know what that means. <laughs> We'll skip that one, okay? Well, well brother, brother Darrell, we'll tell me when we get home to race that out, will you? Hebrews chapter 7, 1 through 3. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, which means king of peace, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that, king of Salem, which is king of peace. Now notice, this is Melchizedek, an example of Christ's priesthood. I read this, without father, without mother, without descent, genealogy here and register of descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God abideth a priest continually, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. What's this speak of? It speaks of in type of Christ's immortality, that Christ is immortal. Oh yeah, they crucified him on the cross, didn't they? Oh yeah, they, made, they shed his blood. But what happened on that third day? He got up from the grave. He was in control. He was in complete control. Jesus Christ paid a debt he did not owe because we had a debt we could not pay. The Bible says that they set him at naught as though he meant nothing to them, the Jews and those with him, the, the uh, military. Righteousness and peace I have here as a beginning of notes on that king of peace. Righteousness and peace are two major and noble prop properties, attributes or characteristics associated with this Melchizedek. What a strange creature, huh? What a, I should say, what a strange person. And when they nailed him, Jesus now, to the cross and saw him give up the ghost, hmm, they thought, well, Hey, that's, that's the end of his. That's, that's the end of this one who claimed to be Christ. That's the end of him. That's the end of the friend of publicans and sinners. And they thought that that was all of him who claimed to be the great I am. They believed him be, to be mortal, never accepting him to be God. Oh, he's a blasphemer and a wine-bibber, they said. And that's the end of them, they thought. They were wrong. <laughs> they were wrong. And how, how well, how, how much they were wrong. I think the Nottingham Four speaks of something like this in singing. Up from the grave he arose. 
with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever. Hmm? He lives, I'm going to stop right there, he lives forever. They thought that that was the end of his existence. Hmm? Oh, but how they were, how they were wrong. And to put him out of existence was, folks, impossible. And we asked, why was this putting him out of existence impossible? Because he was and is, he is the father of eternity. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, if you don't want to turn there, I'll read it for you. It says of him, and it's, his, it's in first person, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys. I want to know the one who has the keys to hell and death and heaven. It says, and have the keys of hell and of death. If you're not saved this evening, what's holding you back? Were you embarrassed to come forward? You ought to come forward and get it, get it laid down. Get it laid down with him. Be born again washed in the blood, be saved by grace through faith. Notice the word evermore there in that verse. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, if I didn't send you there, it means to the ages of the ages. The resurrection is prominent here in this verse. And the resurrection and ascended on high can say this, I am alive, he says, to the ages of the ages. And so he is rightly called this, Ready? The Father of Eternity, or the Everlasting Father. And what does the prophet Moses say of him? He says this in Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever thou hast formed the earth and the world. Watch this now. Even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. It's referring to him. It's referring to the second person of the triunity of God. Now, well, we've looked at Christ. Can you stay with me a few more minutes? Somebody say amen, will you? Amen. Okay. Well, we've looked at Roman number one. Christ is the author of eternity. Now, let's, let's look at Roman number two that I have. Christ is associated with eternity. All that is about him must be viewed in light of eternity. Notice subpoint number one, his position is eternal. If you turn to Revelation chapter 19 and verse 16. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 16 tells us that he is king of kings and lord of lords. He is our prophet, he is our priest, and he is our potentate, our king. Our choir, again, I'm mentioning the choir again, sings a song that is entitled, Jesus, What a Wonderful Name. And it speaks of earthly kings having their day. And then they are in the grave. But the one, capital O, who is the father of eternity, there will be no end to his reign. No, no end to his reign because his position is eternal. His position is eternal. And just, if you'll turn to Psalm 101. No, I want you to turn to Psalm 45. Psalm 45, please. Just how do we know that this is true? Well, the Bible says in Psalm 10, verse 16, the Lord is king forever and ever. Now, I had you turn to Psalm 45 and the verse 6. The verse 6. And I read this, it's referring to him. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And that and the rest of the verse is repeated in Hebrews chapter one, verse eight. And it is the father declaring this of his son. And that makes it what? Makes, him brother, uh, makes it a messianic psalm. Hebrews chapter one, I'm, you don't have to turn there. I want you to turn to Psalm 145. I'm going to quote Psalm to buy some time. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 says, Thy throne, Lord Jesus, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness 
is the scepter of thy kingdom. He will never be dethroned. It must be forever. Psalm 145, verse 13, I read this. It says of him, Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. So what do I have here? His position as king is eternal, and number two, his power as king is eternal. His power as king of kings and lord of lords will never be taken from him, never. His power will never be diminished, decrease, or deteriorate. His power is eternal, and he is eternal. In Jude, uh, verse 24 there, I read this. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion, and power, and power, both now and forever. Amen. So what do I have? The power of his love is eternal. The power of his word is eternal. The power of his blood, praise the Lord, is eternal. It will never lose its power. Then not only, number one, his position, and number two, his power, but also number three, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. have seen, we have seen, number one, his position, and number two, his power, but also number three, I find here, his precepts are eternal. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, reads as so, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Everything about our Lord is forever. There is nothing temporal about Christ. Nothing. This book we have in our hands tonight, authorized version, this King James, we have in our hands, down through the centuries, mankind has banned it and burned it and has buried it, but here it is today, folks, right in this pulpit. And Brother Harry Middleman's got it in his hands right here. Here it is. Yep. They cannot destroy this word. My wife and I, you ready? That's my wife back there, the blonde, the Jenny. My wife and I have at least 13, copy, 13 copies of it at home. I don't know how we got up that high, but we got it. And why is that so? Because it is eternal. 1 Peter 1.23 says, The word of God liveth and abideth so long. No. The word of God liveth and abideth forever. Forever, folks. Verse 25 of that same chapter, we read this, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. It is truly a living word, folks, for it liveth forever, and it must endure forever because the Father of eternity is the word incarnate. Number four, and I'm almost done, just stay with me. Number four, his preservation of his people is eternal. That is the preservation of his people. Uh, I see a note here, Jude, uh, 1, verse 1 verse 24. And I can say this. And no mother, and I'm finished, almost. God in the carpenter's shop, the son of God driving nails and handling a hammer. Wondrous work, this. Deity is not to be explained, but to be adored. And the sonship of Christ is to be accepted as a truth of revelation, to be apprehended by faith, though it cannot be apprehended by the understanding. Who wrote that? Who wrote that? It was Charles Haddon Spurgeon, of course. And no mother, and I'm finished, and no mother ever cradled in her arms a more perfect child. Amen and amen. Brother Pastor 